good to see each one of you here this morning. <coughs> Crispy pages, right. Psalm 11. I did work out with Colin last night how, how many years it's going to take me to get to Psalm 150. And he said he probably wouldn't be here. It was a bit sad, wasn't it? No. Okay. Psalm 11, as, as Dave has um, built it up this morning, uh, Winds of Adversity, I, I called it. And, uh, sorry, that was the problem. That is why the lectern was wobbling. Right, okay, we, we've sorted it out now. Right, Psalm 11. It's very much a psalm about putting your trust in God. And uh, as we read it there together, and if you noticed, David begins with um, a great affirmation of, uh, of faith. He says, In the Lord I take refuge. In the Lord I take refuge. Not in anybody else, but in the Lord. Now it's easy to say things, isn't it? And uh, not really mean them. But I think for David, uh, this was not just an, an affirmation. In other words, it wasn't just words. It's very easy just to say words, isn't it? No, it wasn't just an affirmation. It was a resolution. It was something needing a practical outworking. Now, I won't ask you to put up your hands, but I wonder how many of you make New Year's resolutions ok one or two of you smiling one or two of you shaking your head no 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 I'm sure most of us have at one time or another done it and wish we hadn't because it's usually the next day that you break it isn't it and you think well I've got to wait a whole year now and I can do it again it's, it's not a wise thing to do I guess anyway if we do make a New Year's resolution then we promise ourselves very often that we're going to change the way we live or change the way we do something or not do something. But without action, it means absolutely nothing at all, doesn't it? You can promise lots of things, but if you don't actually do anything, then it's meaningless. James reminds us that uh, we need more than just flowery words. We need both words and actions working together. Faith and action working together. It's easy to tell people how much faith we have. But to exercise that faith means doing something about it. Very often it means moving out of our comfortable surroundings. Or our comfort zone as people like to call it these days. Moving out of that and, and letting God take control. David is saying here that he puts his confidence in God. A little further on, in Psalm 20, verse 7, he writes, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. These were not just words, but a way of life. A confident, deep conviction and an unshakable trust 
that God was in control and just as David knew that God was in control so we here this morning can know that God is in control we can have that same unshakable trust and know that our God is in control I guess in many ways it's not unlike being on an aeroplane you have to have faith that the pilot is in control now you may sit there on the plane and the cabin door or the cockpit door may be shut and you can't see the pilot but you trust that he's in there surrounded by all his his switches and buttons and levers but you have to have faith that he's there and he knows what he's doing otherwise you wouldn't get on the plane in the first place would you I certainly wouldn't anyway I remember when uh, when I was in Africa and um, and I flew from the the capital uh, near May in Niger Republic there across to Maradi a a little town about four hours flight and it was only a a little six seater plane and uh, it was just me and the uh, the pilot so he said oh come and sit next to me it's like whoa yeah up at the front you have your own little steering wheel it's brilliant he said don't touch that please so anyway we, 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 we go up and uh, you know, find about 10 15,000 feet because he said if we get any higher we run out of oxygen you know, that's quite important so anyway we're, we're flying and after about an hour or so it's sort of middle of the morning and he said ah oh, must be coffee break time Okay, right. Remember, it's only a six-seater plane. You know, I'm thinking, oh dear, what we, this can be very interesting because there was no like hostess with trolley. She wasn't going to walk down the aisle, was she? And uh, anyway, getting back to my point of, of knowing that the pilot's in control, he flicks a little lever and then lets go, and, and he turns around and, and leans behind his his um, seat and rummages in a bag and he comes out with milk and brownies. He was an American, you see milk and brownies and he's just there he's having, having a break you know I'm thinking well you know if worse comes to worse I can always, I can always grab and steer can't I you know but he knew what he was doing and, and after three or four hours we, we got to where we were going and it was a lovely smooth landing it was, it was great fun and after that initial hour or so I got quite relaxed and I thought yeah this is, this is quite good you know he started to show me what different things did as we were flying along and it's like yeah this guy's in control. He knows what he's doing. It's the same with God. Everything to us may seem a complete jumble. Like when you look at the, particularly these big airlines, they've got so many buttons, you think, how does anybody know what they do? It's all a, a big jumble. But the person in control, they know exactly what they're doing. Like I say, the same applies to God. You may not be able to see him but faith tells you he's there and that he's in control. So David is confident that God will protect him but his friends on the other hand appear not to share his faith, do they? A little bit like Job's comforters. Many say David perhaps penned this psalm at the time when King Saul had thrown his spear at him and so those around him, his, his peers, were urging him to leave for his own safety. 
I think he answers them with a, a certain degree of uh, perhaps we call it indignation he says how then can you say to me flee like a bird to your mountain for look the wicked bend their bows they set their arrows against the strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart David almost seems to resent the remarks from others that he should run away to safety and indeed why should he if his God is in control if he runs then he cannot lay claim to the fact that he trusts in God he would make his, his opening statement there of I take you know, in the Lord I take refuge it would rubbish that statement he couldn't lay claim to it he couldn't lay claim to the fact that he trusted in God it would make it seem absurd if you trust in the Lord then why run away yes there may be those around him who, uh, who he needs to keep an eye on but David knows that God is watching watching all the time and will allow no harm to come to his servant the arrows that fly from the shadows or the arrows that fly by night are to be feared by those who have no faith in the Lord I may tell you another little story when I was there in Africa we lived on a, a mission station on the edge of a town and uh, all we had around our, our little uh, what you call it mission station yeah, uh, was, was just a few strands of barbed wire and uh, but we knew that we were quite safe because one of our guards who walked around at night had a bow and arrow okay now okay you're laughing you see you think it's a bit like Robin Hood now you may think that a gun would have been better but can I tell you there in that place criminals feared an arrow a lot more than a bullet let me tell you why with a bullet you could miss okay or you could just graze the skin couldn't you and if it was a direct hit then it could go right through depending on where it hit or you could dig the bullet out or if worse came to the worst if it wasn't too bad you might be able to live with it an arrow on the other hand if it pierced your flesh it would lodge there and the arrow heads have a little barb on them a barb on the tip which means they can't be easily pulled out without a visit to the hospital and then the criminal would be caught because the medical staff knew that he was up to no good so in many respects the arrows that flew from the shadows were indeed to be feared we too may at times fear the arrows from others I'm not obviously talking about literal arrows but but words the words of those who would perhaps criticise us for our faith in the Lord many today would uh, 
doubt the relevance of the Christian faith here in our society and uh, maybe they'd seek to mock us and mock those who follow him it was no different for David but he knew in whom he put his trust and if your trust is in the Lord then why run away those around him also raise the point that the foundations of good are being eroded all around him and so in many respects they're they're implying that he was without hope now what can the righteous do your cause is lost we could ask ourselves the same question what can the righteous do when the foundations are being destroyed those good foundations that nations have been built on what can we do when we feel they're being eroded and destroyed what can Christians do when the laws we've had for many many decades and which in many cases were formed on the Bible on the Ten Commandments by God fearing men what can we do when they're replaced by new laws which seek to not offend those who are who are walking a life contrary to God's laws in some ways it's a bit of a paradox isn't it new laws which are made to not offend others so we have a wishy-washy you know oh let's all be nice together and not offend anyone why is it those laws by their very nature offend others who were very happy with the original laws whether they were believers or not it's very interesting that yes as Christians we may say well, you know, we're, we're happy with these laws that were laid down many many years ago and which were based on biblical principles we may say we're happy with that there's a lot of people outside the church today particularly the older folks who would say yeah we're happy although we we may not go to church we may not be Christians we may not be believers we see that these things were put there for our good there are many many people who are not Christians today who are also happy to to live under those same laws unfortunately one by one laws are being brought in that are replacing those things also does an upsurge in evil demonstrate that good no longer triumphs over evil well of course it doesn't it just shows how far from God a society is slipping David faced people who were critical of his faith in God just as we may do today but notice one thing the attempts by others to dissuade David in trusting in God only make him what? put his roots further down deeper down into trusting in his Lord now I don't want you to uh, think that I spend my life digging up trees although I have dug up a few and I, I actually dug one up on Friday as well and I'm not encouraging you all to rush home after the service and go to your garden shed and get your spade and dig up the first tree you come to 
in your back garden. But I want to uh, share with you something, well I find it interesting, I was going to say it's something very interesting, you may not share my interest, in which case that's fine, I understand. But I find it very interesting, and something which I've, I've observed. It's the fact that if a tree has been exposed to a prevailing wind over the course of many years, which in, in our case here in Great Britain, our prevailing wind comes from the west, comes off the Atlantic Ocean, most of the time if it's been subject to that prevailing wind over the course of many years it will have developed its thickest root facing the direction of the wind now why is that interesting I can see several puzzled faces and thinking yep he's lost the plot or maybe I have but let me tell you why it's interesting it should encourage us it should be an example to us in our Christian lives it should cause us to have a faith like David who every time he faced opposition those winds of adversity those winds of opposition he put his roots deeper down into God he put his trust more and more in God so he didn't run away he turned and he faced that which was coming towards him. So much so that we could say that for David, knowing God was trustworthy, therefore meant that trusting in him was a logical way of life. I wonder, do we know God this morning as our trustworthy God? Is that way of life the same for us is it just a logical way of life that yeah I know God's a trustworthy God therefore I'm going to trust in him and I don't even think about it I'm just going to do it should be second nature to us just like a tree continually facing a wind that threatens to push it over it pushes down its roots to face that wind head on so we as Christians need to push our roots deeper into God to know him more to trust him more and only then will we stand against those whose intention it is to destroy our faith. So when the foundations on which we stand are being shaken what do we do? We put our trust and our faith in God we draw ever closer to his heart so in those first three verses however long that's taken us only three verses don't worry we'll, you will see your lunch today I promise in those first three verses David answers his critics he tells them that he puts his trust in the Lord in the rest of the psalm David very much shows us the reason for his faith. Verse 4, he says, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. Well, some may say, if God is on his heavenly throne, he's not going to notice if we destroy those who follow him. Think again. For David continues. He observes 
he observes. The sons of men, his eyes examine. God sees all from his throne. The Lord is securely on his heavenly throne. He can't be removed, he can't be shaken, he can't be taken away. Isaiah, Isaiah 66 verse 1 says this, This is what the Lord says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will be my resting place? God reigns. His throne is in the universe and the earth is a mere footstool. He is too awesome to dwell in a place built by human hands regardless of how grand it may be. He's seated there on his throne in the universe. If that is so, we had better worship him. God not only reigns, he also sees. He sees and tests the heart of a man and a woman. It's very wrong to assume that trusting in God guarantees you an easy life. And we thought about that this morning already. No. It brings times of testing but testing through which we're made stronger and our faith is strengthened just like a tree in the wind that we thought about earlier. Trusting in God may bring testing but it doesn't result in opposition from God. That's an important thing to remember. It doesn't matter how hard you're testing you know that at the end God is still on your side. To be tested by God may not be easy but it's one of the safest places to be because you're right in the centre of his will for your life. Maybe at this moment you feel you're being tested and take heart from the fact that God is taking you through it because he wants to refine you and you'll praise him for it in the end whether it be here or in glory so the Lord examines the righteous but what about the wicked those who don't trust in God what's he doing about them well, the wicked and those who love violence, it says, his soul hates. There can be nothing more terrible than to be hated by God. Particularly when you, you read that there and it says, you know, his un- the universe is his throne. You think, wow, how big, how awesome is God? There can be nothing more terrible than to be hated by God. To be cast from his presence but it's worse than that for those who don't trust in God he says there on the wicked he will rain fiery coals and burning sulphur the scorching wind will be their lot or the portion of their cup it 
just as the uh, Christian may rejoice and say my cup overflows with joy or my cup overflows with good things from God so the cup of the wicked will be full of fiery coals now David may have been reminded of the uh, destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah when he wrote this about you know places being destroyed by burning coals and burning sulphur yet the fulfilment of his words here will one day be a reality for all who do not follow Christ it's not just something just written down in the pages of a book it's something that will one day be a reality God judges the just and the unjust and deals with them as they deserve the Lord is righteous he loves righteousness he loves justice and he hates those who deal with others unjustly those who know him who love him who have put their trust in him will see his face he tells us there in verse 7 to see God's face is to be accepted by him the prophet Isaiah was uh, we could say dead scared when he saw the Lord for he knew that to see God would mean destruction but God had a plan for his life and after being spared death what could Isaiah do but come before God and say here I am send me take my life use me for your glory Isaiah knew God's acceptance David knew God's acceptance I wonder this morning do we know God's acceptance in our hearts do we know we are forgiven do we know God as our father yes we may somehow subconsciously appreciate the fact that God is out there somewhere yes he he may well be sitting on a throne in the universe but do we know God personally as our father if we do then we can look forward to a glorious future knowing the Lord's favour so to finish there are three aspects of faith that we see in this psalm firstly faith that runs to God for security there in verse 1 in the Lord I take refuge how then can you say to me flee like a bird to your mountain in the Lord I take refuge where or in whom or what is our security this morning secondly faith that accepts God's testing as part of his purpose for our lives 
for our good for our spiritual and personal development and ultimately for his glory reminded that there in verse 5 the Lord examines the righteous but the wicked and those who love violence his soul hates and thirdly faith that waits faith that waits in expectation of a glorious outcome to have God's face shine upon us to be in his presence not just for a day but for eternity there could be nothing more wonderful than that that when we go through times of testing when we face winds of adversity to always remember that we're there with God that he is in control that we just need to put our roots down deep into his word into knowing him and then we can face those winds of adversity surely it's got to be worth facing the winds of adversity for hasn't it so let's put our roots deep down into knowing God and we can face the world head on knowing that God goes with us that he's there right beside us and that we cannot be shaken that we need not flee like a bird to a mountain because God's there with us we've got our roots deep down in him Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing hymn.